Welcome to the Atticus Report, as we survey the world in search of music that's good for something. On this episode of the Atticus Report, we visit with award-winning recording artist Devin Jake to discuss his musical journey from Nebraska to Texas and get a sneak peek at his brand new album, Days Into Years. I'm your host, Rick Busby, and we'll be right back after the musical break, so stay with us. This honky-tonk angel, I got news for you Sick of being broken-hearted, tired of feeling blue Gonna pack my bags, cause honey, we are through This honky-tonk angel, stop loving you This honky-tonk angel, I can't take no more I'm picking up the pieces, walking out the door Giving up on this baby And all the things you swore This honky-tonk angel To love you no more So I'm going out tonight To find myself a man Wanna treat me right And love me for who I am Or I might get drunk Just enough that I can't stand Make a bad decision With the boy that's in the band this honky-tonk angel ain't coming back I'm as good as God, honey, that's a fact You're gonna be the one that's hurting And I'm feeling blue This honky-tonk angel, stop loving you Good afternoon, welcome to the Addicts Report. I'm your host, Rick Busby. This afternoon, we're coming to you from room 611 at the Holiday Inn Midtown in Austin, Texas, just a couple of miles north of the University of Texas College campus. We're here all weekend with the Austin Songwriters Group and the occasion of their 13th Annual Songwriters Symposium. But right now we're in this hotel room visiting with country, bluegrass, Americana artist Devin Jake. And as always, our uh, illustrious co-host, Atticus Records recording artist and producer in demand, Stephen Doster. Hello, everybody. Stephen also produced uh, Devin's new record, Days and Years, as well as his debut record, Jesus and Mama. We're going to be talking about both of those records here in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to have Stephen, Stephen, before we bring Devin in the conversation here, tell us how you, you two met and how you became interested in working with him. I met Devin. I uh, was uh, doing a performance with Bill Carter and Will Sexton that we did at a place called Z Tejas in Austin, Texas. And this uh, was a weekly show that went on for years and years, close to 20 years. Um, and uh, he came in with somebody, and uh, somebody said he's quite a great singer, and uh, Bill really loves hillbilly music, and uh, <laughs> he was uh, he was excited to have him come up. And uh, he came up, one of those rare people that came up and just uh, sounded fantastic, and, and uh, definitely had that, that thing uh, that some people, singers of his caliber have that can't be bought. And, uh, and so uh, he would sing a few times with us over the, you know, pop in occasionally and have a drink and have a, sing a song with us. And at, one, at some point we started talking about recording. And uh, when we did so, well, the first thing I wanted to do was listen to the music that he, he was listening to. And, and we were looking for who was going to play on the record. So he gave me a, a large quantity of CDs of artists, friends of his. 
and stuff. And I started going through them and listening to them. And uh, one of the acts that really caught my eye was the Carper family. And uh, they were quite successful and uh, are. And uh, they were, like me, fans of Devons. And so really open to the idea of working with him. So that was kind of the game plan, to go in with uh, him as a front man and uh, Carper family as the the background band, and I'm uh, playing as well. And that, that and record, and playing guitar. right? So that record was his debut record, Jesus and Mama. Yeah. And then y'all, how much time between Jesus and Mama and Days and Years before y'all got back in the studio on that? It was actually only two years. But two years. Two it'll years. be four by the time it gets released. By the time it gets released, awesome, yeah. awesome, very good. All right, so uh, well, Devin, Jake, welcome to the Atticus Report. Hi. We're really. Uh, Excited to have you here today. Thank you. Uh, I've listened to the record quite a bit. Um, I'm a fan, as I've told you before. I'm, when I'm listening to today's into years, it makes me want to stop what I'm doing, pick up my guitar, and like learn the songs and play along with your voice. Oh, nice. is extraordinary. The songs are. We're going to talk a lot about your voice, but I don't want it to to go unnoticed that uh, you're also a very very fine songwriter. You have Thank a you. really really mm-hmm. knack for great great organization arrangements in your songs and, and hooks. I mean, a lot of times we, there's a lot of music that gets released nowadays that doesn't have identifiable hooks and your, your record is just littered with them. And I'm, it's a pleasure to listen to it. It's also a short record. And Steve and I have talked about this before. Like we believe in, you know, 10 songs, 35 minute records, like in the old days and everything. So that when it's over, you want to listen to it again. And your record has that quality for me. And I really, really dig that because when it's over, I'm not fatigued. I'm not ready to move on yet. I'll listen to it again. And we'll get to days and years here in a little bit. But before we do, I want to tell us a little bit about your journey. I I, kind of know the story myself, but I want to hear it. We never actually sat down and like heard you tell the story, you know, from beginning to end here. So tell us, where you began, how you came to be interested in music, especially country and bluegrass music. Well, I, uh, growing up, my mom and my, her siblings actually all played bluegrass and country music, and Uncle Larry would, every Sunday for a long time, would go to Uncle Larry's house, and, uh, every, everybody just get out the guitar and pick, and I never really thought about it. Like, everybody would kind of sing along, but it never really crossed my mind until later on, I was, you know, I started thinking, like, My mom had seven kids. Not a single one of us learned how to play the guitar. Well, sort of. My brother can kind of play the guitar, but he doesn't. And uh, anyway, so I thought, one of us needs to carry on the family tradition. So I decided that I would learn how to play the guitar. So I bought a guitar, and I asked my mom to give me a lesson. And she showed me how to play Applejack, which is the song she used to sing all the time. And um, So I played Applejack for like a half an hour in the kitchen, and then I was like, well, I want to be able to sing a whole song. So she taught me G7 chord, and I sang uh, Me and Bobby McGee was one of the songs that she first taught me how to play. Um, And actually, I don't even know that she'd ever even heard Janis Joplin sing it, because, you know, she, Chris Christopherson was the one who wrote it. So it was kind of funny, because I think the first time I remember hearing that song besides her singing it was Janis Joplin thinking, like, why is mom singing this song? Anyway, so then I started playing, and I didn't really ever think about... I really wanted to be a dancer at the time, so I was in dance school, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I would just play for random people or at while I was drunk at parties, and people kind of liked it. But I always loved playing the guitar and just singing. I could do it on the porch for hours. And then So then I eventually moved to Chicago, and then... Before you get to Chicago, you, oh, was, it was in Nebraska? You were oh, a small I'm, town in Nebraska, right? I was in Nebraska, yeah. Yeah, where, where exactly in Nebraska? Um, I grew up six miles north of Kansas, like right in the dead center of the state, about 60 miles south of Kearney. So, right. um, 
three miles south of a town, which I says it's 202 now, but I think it was 188 when I left. People have had some babies, I guess. Um, That's a small town. <laughs> yeah, so I just learned how to play the guitar, and I just played every day. And then when I moved to Chicago, I continued just to play, and I just literally loved to sing. I never really thought about writing music or anything. And then, um, so I went to dance school, and I was performing with the dance company, and then I actually went to a Madonna concert, and I went by myself, and I... Um, after I was done, I went to the bar that was right next to the place I worked at and they were having open mic and I'd never done it before. And so I was like, well, I can sing. And they were like, okay, we'll get up there, blah, blah, blah. 10 songs later, they're like, you can't quit. <laughs> and so I knew the bartender cause she used to work with me and I was like, well, that was really what I really loved to do. Cause when I got up there, I was just like, oh, like this is exactly what I'd love to do, you know what I mean? So performing for people, making people smile, and just singing. And so I was like, maybe I could have my own show. And then two months later, I had my first show, and it was uh, just me. And um, I'd already been a really big fan of Dolly Parton, but I'd also decided that I like to tell stories like she does. So I planned out this whole storyline and all these songs I was going to sing, and then realized that I maybe sounded pathetic <laughs> if I was going to sing about somebody that I had recently been in love with. And so that week I decided just to change it all. And so I started listening to all the Dolly Parton records I had. And so then I did the very first I did was only Dolly Parton songs or songs that she recorded. So I kind of changed it, still talked about him a little bit, but still made, you know, I told the story about how when I was in third grade, um, my mom, we went to Gibson's, which is, I like to call no offense to anybody because I'm white trash. White trash Walmart. It's like less than Walmart. Um, and we bought these white shoes. And I just remember like, and they were even like hooked together. And then I got to school, my third grade teacher, and I was, went up to her and her name is Miss McAllister. And I loved her. And uh, I was like, yeah, I got new shoes. And she looked down. She's like, oh, Devin, honey, those aren't the same shoe. And I was like, what? And I, so I looked down and like literally I had bought two different shoes that were connected together. They were both white, but they didn't really look anything <laughs> the same. And fortunately, my mom took me back and we traded them in, but even though I'd already, like, worn them. But anyway, so I told stories like that and then, you know, how my mom taught me how to play the guitar and blah, blah, blah. And so that was all Dolly songs. And then one day I was sitting at work and it was actually raining and I was, like, started just writing down lyrics on my, like, you know, the little book that I'd read all the orders in. And uh, so eventually I went home, I had all these lyrics, and I was like, there's no way I'd ever be able to come up with a melody. So a friend of mine, I was like, maybe you could come up with a melody because he had said he'd written songs before. And so he took it home, and then he came back, and I was like, well, did you do it? And then he like he sang the chorus part, and I was like, oh, that's not it. <laughs> and so I went home and actually wrote the song. So so was that your first song? That was the first song. Okay, so what was, what was that song? Is Raindrops, Teardrops, and Memories. Is that, is that still a song that hangs around that you, that you still play? Is it? I still sing it every once in a while. I don't ever sing it. Actually, I haven't sang it live for a long time. Um, I still think it holds up. and It's a pretty good song for being your first song for somebody to write, I think. Um, it's actually on the record that I recorded with... Uh, my band that I had in Chicago, so. Right. So how long, how long total were you in Chicago, actually? Almost seven years. Almost seven years. Mm -hmm. From, from when to when? Oh my God. Um, I think it was around 2001. I moved here in 2008, December of 2008. Okay. So. All right. Yes. I think it's important for me to say that I bought my first guitar at Gibson's. Is and, that right? Oh, yeah. So I don't know what you're trying to insinuate <laughs> with your comment, but, uh, uh, 
No, no Gibson's the, yeah, the, 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 the little the, store. The, the, the white trash. Hey, hey that's white trash. We were still playing guitar, too. Uh, I think we're all in good company that's here. That's funny. Walmart just was, and it really was like that. It was a very good description. In fact, uh, being that there's a very famous model of guitar called Gibson. Uh, yeah. when, so when you first said that, I was going, was he, was he? oh, you mean Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the store. So I it just... Uh, had to buy anything there, there. there. yes. Right. So by the time you left Chicago after seven-year tenure there, uh, like what was your motivation for relocating from Chicago to Austin? Well, I definitely wanted to... Well, I really wanted to go um, somewhere where country music was more prevalent, I guess. Because Chicago really didn't have a scene, and I was playing every week, and, and you know, sometimes you have a band, and sometimes you end up married to those people and then you just start bickering all the time and whatnot. And they're all really great people, but I just needed to change. And so I went on a little road trip with a friend of mine and uh, we went through Nashville and went through like Houston and Dallas and in Austin. And I kind of, I was like, Oh, you know what? Like, I don't really want to drown in Nashville. You know what I mean? I thought I could come to a little town, which I thought was a big town until I moved here. And then I was like, this is a really small town. Um, even though I came from a town of 188, but, um, so I just wanted to get somewhere where there was a country music scene and I just didn't feel like, feel like I would need to be an actual guitar player to be in Nashville, you know, to be able to sell myself. Um, so I came here and, uh, luckily within not very long after I'd been here, I actually met Steven, but then also I met Jen Miori, who's a guitar player for the Carp family, who also does all the acoustic guitars on all my records that I've done so far here. Um, and she happened to not be doing the open mic thing I was doing with Jim Stringer that night, but she had came to pick up a check because she had started singing with him. And so I introduced myself and was like, how does this work? And she's like, oh, I'm not going to be here. And so then she introduced me to Beth and Melissa. And then from that... Who are in the band with her, right? Who are in the band with her, Carpet Family. From that, I just met all these people, and, you know, I'd show up places, and people would let me sing. They'd be like, oh, you're Devin, that singer, blah, 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 and I'd be like, yeah, that's me. And uh, honestly, I sang Big City so many dang times when I first moved here, because, you know, you think, you know a million songs, but as soon as somebody asks you to sing one, you can't remember any songs you know, so Big City was one of the ones that I always did. So let's talk about how how events led to your first record, Jesus and Mama. So you're, you're here on the scene, you you met the Carper family, you're kind of moving around, playing yeah. in a lot of places. When did you know, one, that you had enough songs to, to like want to put an album together? What was that process like for you? Well, it didn't actually, it took a while, actually, because when we, Stephen and I first started playing together, and he told me he was a record producer and had a studio, I was like, oh, I want to record a gospel record. And he was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And then, at the time, I had one gospel song written, I think. But it was almost three years later, I found him on Facebook, and I was like, hey, you remember me? I was the boy, the guy that wanted to uh, record a gospel record. And he's like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this phone call. And so we got together, and by that time, I had written Jesus Tell My Mama and Glory Land. And then, um, and I knew that I wanted the record to be called Jesus and Mama to yeah. just honor my mom for teaching me how to play the guitar and just honor, like, we grew up, you know, going to church and singing gospel songs. And so I put, I, I purposely picked the other songs like Code of Many Colors and Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven by Loretta Lynn because they reminded me of things my mom did. And I also recorded uh, Kitty Wells made popular um, Gathering Flowers for the Master's Bouquet because ever since we were little, my mom 
has told us that we're going to sing that at her funeral. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to sing at your funeral. I don't care. Um, even when I was little. Um, so I just went ahead and recorded the song just in case none of us are able to sing. <laughs> you know, my dad said, you know, it's a really good record, except for, I don't know why you put that song about murdering your girlfriend in the middle, blah, blah, blah. And so growing up, my mom used to sing uh, Knoxville Girl to us and, to me, it was just a really pretty song. I didn't even really think about like <laughs> it didn't really murder. dawn on yeah, me for right. a long time. It didn't. It didn't me either. They're called they're called murder ballads. Murder yeah, ballads. Yeah, that's right. It's murder very, ballads. very uh, yeah. Good, good thing to, in your style of music. You got to have a murder ballad. On yeah, there. it has to live in brothers. But it, you know, it ties into the Jesus and Mama thing because you know my mom actually taught us how to play that song, and and it is a little bit of a dark song. I love it, but it's really good. And uh, actually. I was really happy when Brennan Lee decided to sing harmonies on that one. So, so you name checked Dolly and Loretta Lynn and Kitty Wells just in that little arc of the story. And I know you have a you're, you're wearing a Brennan Lee T-shirt here, and at the bottom of it says, "I want to be an old lady." And you story. have a you have a you have a little uh, hook, I guess, uh, kind of a marketing hook that you go by, where you refer to a lot of what you do as old lady country. Yeah. So how did how did you come about that little well, that actually happened I when I first moved here, I started playing. I was playing, like, solo gigs, and I'd either get just, like, a guitar player or maybe a fiddle player, and um, I realized that I don't really like playing by myself myself because there needs to be something else happening beside me. But um, So I was playing a show, and, you know, in Chicago, it was a little... I didn't feel like I was in Texas, so I didn't really mind, you know, just... I didn't really ever... Ex- exclaim anything but I also didn't hide anything so I'd tell stories about like an ex-boyfriend or blah 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 but when I got here I was like maybe I shouldn't like and it actually just came on a whim I was singing a song and it was going to be a Loretta Lynn song and I was like how am I going to explain that I'm going to sing Blue Kentucky Girl to a room full of like Texas people and so I was like well you know what everybody I'm going to go ahead and sing a little old lady country and that that it just came out of my mouth and that's how it happened so and then I started calling it that to, like, not really disguise why I'm singing female songs. or But there's not even a real reason. I actually just prefer the way women write, I think. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean. That was also your beginning. That was also, like, your touchstone. Your, yeah. your mother, those are the songs your mom sang. Yeah. And so forth. Then this whole record, Jesus and Mama, was, like you said a moment ago, in a way a tribute, you know, to her. And, yeah. And, and sort of the origins of that. So That makes sense. So. Y'all get together, you record Jesus and Mama, you put it together, and it gets floated out there in the world, and you come to, you you wind up at the Independent Music Awards, and one of the songs from that album, uh, well, there was two nominations. Anywhere there was, there two, was three. Two, there was three nominations mm-hmm. for, for you. So tell us about the three nominations, and I think the, the one that actually won the song of the year. So the reason I actually submitted was because the Carper family had won for, um, I think they were nominated, or they I think they won Best Country Record and then Best Country Song, or I can't really remember. So I thought, why not? You know, I'll pay $150 to see what happens. And so I submitted for Best Country Record, Best Gospel Song, and Best Americana Song. Yeah. Might have been Best Country Song, too. But anyways, it was nominated for Best Country Record, and then won Americana, Best Americana Song of 2013. And that was Anywhere Bound. Anywhere Bound, yeah. Anywhere Bound. And now, Why don't we take a listen to that real back? We'll, we'll be right back after a break here. In the meantime, let us uh, play you that track here on the Attic Support. This is uh, the song Anywhere Bound 
which won the uh, Independent Music Awards Americana Song of the Year in 2013. 2013. This is Anywhere Bound from Devin Jake's album Jesus and Mama. We'll be right back. The train whistles blow and it's time for me to go. Though I don't know where I'm headed, reckon that I may not ever know. But I'm leaving this uptown and I'm anywhere found. I'm gonna spread my wings and fly, see if I can reach the sky. A song on my lips and a prayer in my heart. I don't know where this life is going, but I sure know where it's done. Like the wind, I'll be blowing. No telling where it is that I may run. But if I lose sight of tomorrow, Mama will be waiting here at home But I'm leaving this old town And I'm anywhere found I'm gonna spread my wings and fly See if I can reach the sky A song on my lips and a prayer in my heart Don't know where this life is going But I sure know where it starts The train shows blow Now and by tomorrow I'll be gone, long Nothing but this guitar and a song And I'm leaving this uptown And I'm anywhere found I'm gonna spread my wings and fly See if I can reach the sky A song on my lips and a prayer in my heart I don't know where this life is going But I sure know where it starts The train whistles blow It's taking off, I'm getting on, and by tomorrow I'll be gone, long gone. It's taking off, I'm getting on, and by tomorrow I'll be gone, long gone. I'll be gone. So... Jesus and Mama got you some got you some notice got you got you moving got moving around uh, and then your what you do you you did you do any any touring behind that do you still station kind no, of out here in Austin or at the I've time? really just been playing in Austin um, 
I don't, I mean, I have a band, but not, you know, like, it's not always the same band, um, except for right now I have a side project called Little Darlin' with Sophia Johnson, but that's just the two of us, mostly. Um, but every Tuesday at the White Horse, when I play, I have Van Sazen on bass and Chris Wallace on drums, and then uh, my friend Brandy Clark on the fiddle, and then Sophia plays and sings, but, um, so I was just kind of playing around town and singing, and, um, you know, I had a show with Weldon Henson, like, we played every Thursday for a little over a year and a half at this hotel downtown, which was kind of nice. Um, and then, I don't know, I'd just been writing songs, and I'd actually written some of the songs that are on the new record, Days and Years, while I lived in Chicago, but there were songs that I'd never recorded, some of them no one's ever even heard, like, Walk Away, I wrote probably the year I moved here, and, uh, it's actually one of the songs that's not really about anybody, um, and th so that, I mean, that's, you know, I've lived here seven years now, so, uh, that one's old, but no, I've never played it live, because, you know, I put a weird C chord so in there. So as, as far as your audience Everybody is thinks it's new, new, song, new yeah. yeah. And uh, actually, the songs that I wrote in Chicago, unless people that saw me play there, everybody in Austin or anybody else that has never heard me before then will also think that all the songs are new, but, yeah, yeah. um... Well, now you've got the secret out of the bag. You've let everybody know now that. The, well, I, I'm collaborate. I'm gathering songs. I still have more songs, and then actually, I just wrote a new song the other day. Um, I think it needs a bridge, but I think it's important for people hard. not to forget the songs that they had in their catalog. There might be a reason why they stuck around. I was having that same conversation with uh, Will, who I mentioned earlier, and people oftentimes when they do a, a record, I call it new songitis. And just whatever the newest thing they have, they they might be excited about it because it's a doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing they have. It just it, it's a song and it's not really significant when it was written. It, it's like where is it lying today? And especially if people yeah. haven't heard it before, it's like it's a it's a shame. You know, the older we get in our lives, and uh, the there's going to be lots of songs people haven't got to hear before, and they probably like, might like to. So yeah. I always pay attention to all of them. I, I always want to hear everything as many songs as I can. Uh, the difference, uh, you had a really good concept when you came in to the studio. It wasn't like us trying to find one for Devin. He, he had put some real thought into it. Now, days and years, we thought about the what we call it, but the songs were pretty... Uh, he, uh, the songs hang together really well. Yeah, well he, nice he, he, he had, he had an idea. Yeah. And sometimes... Uh, it's uh, people coming at me with 30 or 40 songs, and, and I go, well, I think these 10 hang together in this way. Like in your case, you had so many songs. But whereas you, I think you had both the times we recorded, you had a real great uh, concept. One thing that was mentioned that people may or may not get, but uh, like the band you're playing with the White Horse, it's more of a country band, you know, a bass player and a drummer. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was purposeful for me. I, I would really enjoy doing these records I've been listening to a lot of Hank Williams and a lot well I'm not sure uh, I'll have to go back and listen but uh, most of it's uh, without drums and people don't think that they, they it's just songs they've heard their whole life that they say oh, make yeah. perfect sense and they can't imagine that there wouldn't be a drummer on it I mean I, I record almost everything with the drummer but uh Devin it, it, I was for me and from where I was coming from uh, there was that classic old country and then, of course, bluegrass doesn't have drums in it. And so I, I, uh, there's bluegrass elements in, in his music. And if we're doing uh, Knoxville Girl, it's a classic bluegrass uh, song. But it, you know, it wasn't exactly, it was a 
I, I like when you mention it to say bluegrass country Americana. You know, there's a lot of elements going on. Yeah. There is, there is, there is. And it's got a very organic, that acoustic uh, heart of the uh, of the record makes it really easy to yeah. to listen to it in a lot of different situations. I listen to it a lot of different times of the day. Yeah. And it's, it's not like it's a... It's only good for like one one kind of thing. Is it, it, I listen to it at different times of the day. I listen to it in the evening with a glass of wine, or I can, you know, listen to it in the morning with coffee. It, it, it has a different experience yeah. for me each time I do. And it's not a sleepy record. When you say acoustic, sometimes people think it's just a bunch of slow yeah, albums right, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And it's not at all like that. It's a really a. Uh, there's something that's always appealed to me, and part of the thing is I don't get to hear much of that anymore. You go hear people play most of the time. You're probably playing acoustic guitar, and there's not, you know, not with the band at the White Horse, but the uh, it's just a, it's such a warmth, yeah, uh, a warm sound, and I really uh, I, I thought it was a great background for uh, your singing, and, and it's just featured singing. You don't have a uh, we, we have a violin and a fiddle, guitar, and harp. There's yeah, solos here and there, a little mandolin. I like laid back. I play with the full band, but the White Horse mostly because dancers go. Yeah, there. it's a dance, <laughs> which is probably it gets the people on the line. Yeah. Gets the people on the dance floor. And stuff. So, so days into years is the title of the new album. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I know there's not actually a song on the record that's named Days into Years, but one of the songs on the record has that idea in the song. Which song is that? It's I'm sitting here. It actually, there's a line in the song that says days and years. I either write songs about Jesus or my mom or heartbreak. And also on this record, as opposed to Jesus and Mama, this one you have nine original songs on here. Yes. And you only, you do one cover, but that's a Brennan Lee and John Scott Sherrill song yeah. they wrote together yeah. as opposed to doing Dolly Parton covers or anything like that. Yeah. Jesus and Mama. Jesus Mama was five original, five covers and then Days and Years is all me except for I Don't Drink, which is Brandon Lee. Great song. I don't, I it is, right? It's got a great, great hook in that song. Well, let's take a listen to I Don't Drink. This is a Brennan Lee and John Scott Sherrill co-write. This is the track I Don't Drink from Devin Jake's new record, Days and Years. We'll be right back. on special occasions like when the sun comes up or the rain falls down I don't think I've got a single thing to worry about cause I don't drink when you're around though I Daylight fades Like it's fading now And I don't think I've got a single thing To worry about Cause I don't drink When you're around
sinking down At least not too low But you haven't been around So how would you know That I don't drink Except on special occasions Like when the sun comes up Or the rain falls down I don't think I've got a single thing to worry about Cause I don't drink when you're around No, I don't drink when you're around That was Devin Jake's song, I Don't Drink, a song that was co-written by Brennan Lee and John Scott Sherrill from Devin's new record, Days into Years, which will be available probably about three or four weeks or so from now. Uh, Devin, you're you're in the midst of, right now of an Indiegogo campaign. I believe you've got another couple of weeks, maybe a little more than a couple of weeks as we sit here today mm-hmm. on that Indiegogo campaign to, to help fund the uh, manufacture of the CDs and the early promotion efforts. I know the record has already been recorded, mixed, mastered. The mm-hmm. CD packaging design is done. You've got a new website that's recently been launched as well. All of those things have been sort of paid for as you, as you went along and everything. And the Indiegogo campaign, unlike a lot of other crowdfunding kind of campaign, is really just about the actual monies needed to release the record. Yeah. Whereas a lot of projects would say, hey, fund us for the whole thing to record the record and yeah. all those kinds of things. So there's a lot less variables involved in your kind of campaign because we're, you're right there at the finish line. And it's really, a, it's really almost like a, a crowdfunded pre-order campaign yeah. Yeah. Really more than just saying, hey, hey, help me make this record. It's like getting your fan base and your family connections and so forth and all the people that support you yeah. to get on board there at the beginning. Because yeah. all of us here are independent artists and we know the economics of the game and the music industry has changed a lot for all of us and everything. Mm-hmm. And usually we find that when you, everything builds up to that moment of the CD release, that's the biggest anticipation you have your, probably your biggest initial flurry of sales yeah. in, that, in that initial period. And then it's like any other, any other sales job, you're selling your wares over the course of time to anybody who yeah. you know happens to see them at shows. The further we get away from the actual CD release period, the harder it is sometimes for, for musicians and artists to continue to have that momentum mm-hmm. to continue selling the records. Uh, so, you know, for, for most of us, it's, uh, um, it's a labor of love first to, to, yeah. to play music, to do what we, to do what we love and everything. The economics, it's, the, the economics are really insane. It's like when you mm-hmm. really, when you really think about it sometimes, like why we do what we do. I think we all have a, uh, an ambition or a hope or a desire that, one of our songs can break through and make some noise. And I have to say that with respect to your record, Stephen and I have talked about this on several occasions about your record. Uh, there are so many tracks on that record that I could see getting picked. Like if, they, if they're not hits for you, that they're, that they should be hits for somebody. So you have this, while, while you're a recording artist, you really have honed in on your songwriting craft. Oh, uh, is that something that you have, Really, have you, have you made any attempts like that to get other people to cut your, cut your songs at this point in time, or are you still just kind of recording them and putting them out in the world? Just recording and putting them out in the world. Um, I, would like, I would love if somebody would sing one of my songs, but actually, I, I always think uh, Miranda Lambert or 
Alice and Krauss. I always want to hear them sing one of my songs. You know, obviously heavily influenced by like Dolly and Loretta and anyways, but I mean I grew up listening to Alice and Krauss and you know, some people can't stand her voice, but I think it's the most amazing oh, it, thing, you know. Beautiful like, she's my, probably wow. my third favorite Dolly Loretta than her. Before we leave, we want to talk about the Indiegogo campaign you've got going on. I believe mm-hmm. there's like uh, 15, 16, 17 days left maybe to it at 19. this point in time. Maybe 19. So a little, about, about three weeks, a little less than three weeks. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, I, I know that the, you're just really raising a minimum goal of $5,000. You have some flex goals in case it kind of goes over the top. And mm-hmm. the big dream wish list is if it really does well, then you might get a vinyl version of Days into Years, which is a big appeal for me. Yeah. I'm a big vinyl freak about that. Uh, but you've got some really really cool and unusual perks and benefits. I want to talk a little bit about the range of things that you're offering to your fan base yeah. for their support. Well, most importantly, you can order a pre-order copy. Um, <laughs> yeah. The most important thing is that hopefully everybody would want to own a record um, days and years. But uh, I don't know. I started out, you can pre-order the record. I uh, actually have a silkscreen printing so I can make T-shirts and uh, hand print T-shirts by myself. Hopefully there's a million that I have to just spend all day doing. Um, and then I don't know, I'd seen actually Brennan had did a, uh, campaign once and I noticed that she offered to bake people pie. And I was like, I love to bake. I like to make cake and I like to bake pie. So, you know, um, I think it's for 50 bucks. You get a copy of the record and then I'll hand, I'll bake you a pie, which you might need to be in Austin for that to happen unless I'm actually visiting Nebraska or Chicago. But, um, and then also, too, um, coming here, one of my favorite things to do was always go out country dancing. So um, I became pretty good at it. And so uh, one of the perks is to offer an evening of country dance lessons, and then we can go out and see That's a right. good band and then, you know. Make a date of it. Yeah, you can go on a date with me. And, yeah, I'll teach you how to dance. Um, I'll teach you how to dance, date. and then we'll go to a fun band. Um and then there's also, you know, you could have a private house concert, and uh, which funny, the guy that ordered that so far, he lives in Norway, <laughs> and uh, so I, I asked Maybe him. Maybe do a Skype I, house concert. Or Skype I asked concert. him if he Easy might if he might be coming to Austin to visit sometime soon because I know him because he's been here before. So, but uh, so there's still a cut. There's still there's still some possibilities for folks who may be interested in a house concert to yeah. support you in that way. Yeah. Uh, date night with Devin yeah. dancing and drinks in a yeah. hot Austin band. I uh, got baked goods. Devin's a great baker apparently. Uh, t-shirts. T-shirts, t-shirts, homemade T-shirts. This guy's a this guy's an artist in in a lot of different ways and everything. So there's a lot of different ways that uh, the fan base can support Devin Jake's efforts here to get days into years manufactured and into the world. Uh, there's also a couple of slots open for those who really want to step up as executive oh. producers here. I think there's a, it's a thousand dollar contribution if someone wants to become an executive producer and they'll get their name included on all of the. Uh, the CDs and so forth, and, and have their name memorialized that way. So there's a couple of opportunities there. Uh, a little less than three weeks to go by the time Attica Support uh, folks start hearing this and starts making the rounds. We're probably going to be close to you know, two weeks out, 15, 16 days out. We hope to have this ready and available to everybody here in the next 48 hours or so. Uh, Devin, we'd like to hear, uh, hear you sing a song here before we're on the way out here. By the way, uh, before we get out here, I don't want to forget this. Uh, if you're interested in the Indiegogo campaign and supporting Devin, you can you can find your way there by simply going to Devin's new website, devinjake.com. 
there's prevalent links there on the page that will lead you to the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, if you've been involved in crowdfunding before and you've, and you've supported other artists and you know what the process is like, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, and it helps get music out in the world. This has become a real thing here in the recent past, crowdfunding. Uh, it's a big deal now. Uh, so, so new record stores. It, it's, it's, so we don't have stores where we can. I used to wait for records to come out and ride, ride my bike down. And we have one here in town, <laughs> and one in a, a town full of hundreds of thousands of people. It's it's a new record store, and, and you can still be involved and help and uh, help get the music out to the world. You know, one of one of the things we've talked about before. You and I've had this conversation on several occasions. That it's been my experience that that oftentimes people people will participate in these crowdfunding things and they may get 50 bucks, 100 bucks to support and be part of the process of getting that out a lot easier sometimes than they would if they were just sitting there watching the artist play in a, in a local venue and everything. They might be resistant to going and dropping 10 bucks on a CD there, but they give you 100 bucks to help be part of the, yeah. the, the process of getting out. It's a weird psychological yeah, you know, right. kind of thing that we do. Uh, we people like to be part of this process and part of giving birth to this. It's a way for them to support their their friends and and, and music that they like in that way. And it's a very kind of exciting advent this crowdfunding thing that's been coming along here. So uh, once again, the Indiegogo campaign is live until January thirtieth, I believe, the yep. end of the month. Uh, you've got a show next week at the White Horse on the seventeenth, and I think you're going to be yeah. using that as an opportunity to to pitch the Indiegogo campaign as well. Yep. That show as well. Uh, I expect to be in attendance at that show and, okay. and hear your band. Uh, what song do you want to play for us on the way out here? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, maybe lately, I guess. Lately, or... let's go. Uh, give us just a moment here to uh, to tie this down here. And uh, I'm Rick Busby. You've been with me and Stephen Doster and Devin Jake here on the Atticus Report. Once again, we'll be here all weekend for the Austin Songwriters Group 13th Annual Songwriters Symposium. Uh, we'll be talking to some other folks here throughout the weekend. The, these things will show up on future Atticus reports. Devin, thank you very much for thank being you. here with us today. We're yeah. just going to set you up to play and use that song on the way out of the Atticus report as we awesome. tag the show. It's been a pleasure visiting yeah. with you and hearing about your music and the Indiegogo campaign. Thank you so much. Great success, brother. Thank, thank you. you.
You've been listening to the Atticus Report. We'd like to thank Devin Jake for visiting with us today and sharing his story and his music. To learn more about his music or the Indiegogo campaign expiring on January 30th, visit his website at devinjake.com. We'd also like to extend our thanks to Kiana Shantice and Monty McWilliams for their on-location production assistance for this episode of the Atticus Report. Be sure to visit our website, atticusreport.com, or connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. The Atticus Report is available through iTunes and other fine online outlets for podcasts, so you can find us there as well. On behalf of Stephen Doster and the entire team here at the Atticus Report, we thank you for listening. I'm your host, Rick Busby, inviting you to join us again soon as we continue our search for music that's good for something.